Hey guys, Jeff here from besttechie.com, and this is Techie Bytes episode 26. Today I'm speaking with Jaina Cook, CEO at the recently acquired Event Up. We discuss why great mentors matter, the acquisition process, and how to get more women in tech. Enjoy. This podcast is supported by Wix.com. With Wix, you can create your own professional website. Choose a template you love or start from scratch, drag and drop to customize anything, and use advanced design features like video backgrounds and image galleries. You can even add professional business solutions like an online store, booking system, or blog. I've personally tested and reviewed Wix on Best Techie and can say without a doubt that Wix is extremely easy to use and a great choice for both novice and advanced users. So go ahead, try it yourself. Go to Wix.com and create your own website today. That's Wix, W-I-X.com. I'm here speaking with Jaina Cook, the founder and CEO of a company called EventUp. They uh, were actually recently acquired just the, uh, a couple weeks ago by a company called Gather. And uh, Jaina, I'm here. we're going to be talking about some really interesting topics today, including acquisitions and what goes into them, things you should know about them other entrepreneurial type things. Um, so Jaina, thanks again for being here. Welcome to the podcast. Oh, thank you. Thanks so much, Jeff, for having me. I'm really excited to have you on today to talk about a whole bunch of different things uh, like, we, like we just discussed. But I, before we get into anything, I always like to ask people to tell us a little bit about who you are and what you, what you do uh, and what you've done uh, today. Kind of give people kind of a little background about yourself. Okay. Um, I'll make it quick because it can be kind of long, but uh, <laughs> I'm the founder and CEO of EventUp. Um, I've been with the company for about four and a half years now, and we're a marketplace for venues and event spaces. And what that means is if you're having your bat mitzvah or your 40th birthday party or your wedding, you can go on our site and figure out which venues and event spaces in your lo- in your area hold how many people, if they're available on certain dates, and get more information about, about the different spaces. Um, right. Previous, yeah, previous to Event Up, I was first with Echo Global Logistics, um, which is freight management. I love freight, and we were lucky enough. Very fast-growing company. We went public. Uh, I was there for four years and was able to see it go public. I was one of the, you know, early members of the Echo team, and then from there, I started working for a company called The Point, which turned into Groupon, and another great success story there, where we went public a little over four years and. Um, I was there for four years before. It seems like you have a track record of four years, four years, four four (laughs) years. (laughs) I agree. It's four years, exit or bust. (laughs) How about that? Nice. So, so I, I, before, before we get into Groupon, which I want to talk to you about, I have to know what's your, what's your interest in freight? What, you know, what, what's really interesting about that? I find it fascinating. I think freight is, is just really an interesting space. Everybody needs it. Obviously, the market shifts, but it's very um, it's very steady and it's very fickle at the same point. Like it's very you know, there's large companies and there's a lot of mom and pops, and mm-hmm. the, the landscape is just huge. And so I don't know. I just and there's a lot of th- cool things going on um, now with autonomous vehicles and stuff. So I don't know. I just always loved freight. Interesting. Yeah, I think I think autonomous vehicles will bring an, an, a really interesting element to uh, to the whole freight industry and. and I mean, we yeah. could, I could spend I could spend an hour talking about that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but 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 we have other things we want to we want to talk about today and cover. So you you were at Groupon before it was Groupon, right? And um, I, I'd love for you to kind of just tell us a little bit about 
the early days of Groupon, what was it like um, to work at that company early on? Oh, Jeff, it was so fun. Um, so it was, you know, they've been quoted, I don't know if this is true or not, but somebody said it was the fastest growing company ever. And so if you can imagine, we were just hiring people like crazy. And so just as we grew, there were just, you know, different functions that were growing alongside. And um, it, it was great because it was just problem solving at its core. And it was constantly a new problem. And these are great problems to have. It's not like, you know, solving something that's really too challenging. It's problems that are challenging, but it, it's just all positive effects usually for the most part. Um, right. They, they always say like, you know, there, there are always good problems to have when you're running a business. And then there are, you know, the problems that you, that you don't want to have that you shouldn't have. Right. And right. growing too fast is never, they never say that's a, a bad right. problem. To have. Right. I mean, right. it definitely has its consequences. It's not no, that it's, yes, absolutely. Um, it's a lot of sleepless nights, and a lot of headaches, but it's also for me, I find it really fun and exhilarating to be part of something that had so much energy. You know, we were thinking about what market to start in, you know, we stuck with our hometown Chicago and then it was like, Oh my God, what market should we go to next? And how many people do we need? And we need them on the ground. And then, you know, we're getting inquiries and we're like, Oh my God, we should be in this magazine. We should be talking to Oprah. We should be thinking about <laughs> this. Um, you know, Oh my God, we need accounting staff. We need, you know, the Salesforce administrators. It was, you know, everything in between. Uh huh. Um, I, I, I was, I always thought Groupon was an interesting business, uh, mostly because people love buying stuff, but they also love saving money. Right. <laughs> It was like a um, for that. Right. Um, and so I, I, always thought it, I always thought it was a very interesting business. Obviously, there, there were some issues after, you, after Groupon went public. Um, you know, but it's, it's actually rebounded pretty nicely, I would say, recently. They're, they're doing pretty well, from what I understand. But one of the also other things that about growing too fast, I just want to jump back to that, was I, I was listening, to, I think, to uh, Masters of Scale with Reed Hoffman, Reed Hoffman's oh, yeah. podcast. And he was talking about in the early days of, like, PayPal. Yeah. Um, that like they would get so many complaints um, about people who were using from people who were using the, the, the product right, right. And, and, and and they just they just ignored them because they were growing so fast they just they couldn't af they couldn't af afford to like pay attention to them oh that's interesting <laughs> and like there was this one guy who apparently like drove to like PayPal headquarters or whatever at the time wherever that was probably was someone's garage or basement or something um mm -hmm. And, and and just like camped out and was like wouldn't leave until he spoke with somebody. Like, <laughs> That's awesome. Um, so I don't know if you had any stories like that from Groupon in the early days. I I I you we know, don't. But... <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure there were. I'm sure there's some customers that weren't happy, but we had a great guy um, that led the whole customer service team and really had done a phenomenal job, in my opinion, scaling that team, making sure that questions were getting answered as soon as possible. Um, but yeah, there's always there's always road bumps. I'm not going to pretend like there wasn't yeah. an unhappy customer, you know. No, absolutely. Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean that's just the way that's the way it is. Yeah. Um, what when it when it came to you guys? I mean, I, I remember. I mean, there was there was you Groupon, right? And then there was the, and then there was a, a major competitor, Living Social, right? Living yeah. Social kind of basically died out. But you got but, but Groupon, you guys, your the business you built is still around. What I mean, do you have any insights in terms of you know? What you think you guys did better um, than than the competition? Oh, that's a hard question. Um, you know, I don't know. I'm not. You know, of course, I saw the peripheral of, of Living Social, but I wasn't, you know, intimately involved in the details. Mm -hmm. So it'd be hard for me to make, 
you know, any assumptions, you know, right, I, I think right. there, I think there's definitely, you know, first to market advantage. I think that we, we, you know, got that versus living social in many of the markets. Um, but I, I, I don't know why there's, I don't know enough about theirs to say why ours worked better. Gotcha. Gotcha. Fair enough. So one of the, one of the people that you worked with at Groupon, his name is Brad Keywell. Uh, he was also one of the founders of Groupon, right? And yeah. and you do, and you developed a great professional relationship with him, and and essentially he became a mentor of yours over the years. Um, I I've had mentors as well. Uh, I st- I still do uh, people I look look towards to, you know, to even if it's like to just shoot ideas off of and like just to bounce i you know bounce ideas off them and and see get their feedback or just to talk at somebody right right and uh, and and. I've, I've always thought it's very important as an entrepreneur to have a mentor or uh, type person in in your in your life that can that you can do that with. Um, yep. What? How how important would you say that finding a good mentor was to you as an entrepreneur uh, in in your in your uh, in your career so far? I think I mean I think it was extremely important. I did you know I do feel that I got very lucky in terms of meeting Brad and Eric and you know a host of other people as well that that are really familiar with scaling businesses and and are you know what I would consider very genius businessmen um, so to think where I'd be without them is hard to say I just feel very lucky that um, I've had the opportunity to learn learn with them and grow with them what would you say in terms of like like, like the types of things that a good mentor should be able to do for an entrepreneur like if you were an entrepreneur which you are I mean I'm saying as if one of our people in the audience was an entrepreneur and they were looking for you know because you're gonna have there's sometimes people come your way and they're like I'm happy to help you with this this and this right right and it's it's and that's that's nice but some you know you having a good mentor is different than just having a mentor right Right. um what kind of things should should someone look for in, in in a good mentor uh relationship um, so I think I think there's I think there's multiple things. To me, the biggest, um, you know, one of the biggest values is learning from somebody that's already done it, and maybe they've failed, but maybe they've been very successful at it. And I would and I would go for the latter because usually once you fail, then you become successful. You know, almost there's not many people that don't have any failures. But you know, if you can learn from the best of the best, like what has this person been doing? What does this person do really well? And try to instill some of those practices in your own life. I think that's just a huge success. If you're, you know, for instance, if I'm looking for accounting help, you know, what does this financial model look like, and how can I analyze, you know, different profit margins? And I'm talking to, you know, somebody that just graduated college. Sure, they may know more information about it than I do, but if I could learn from somebody that has gone through it in the same steps that I have, that's built a company. That's that's you know seeing the different challenges, trying to under, understand different you know numbers and what they mean. I think that's a lot more meaningful and powerful. So I think that there's a quality level in terms of the the mentors, and I, I I do think that you can learn almost you know something from everybody. But if you can learn from the best of the best, that's where I would start. Right. There's I, there's also like I like to think like there's like there's book smart and then there's like street smart, right? Right. Um, right. right. <laughs> There's 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 a definite you know obvious difference between the two, but right. one is you know more relevant and helpful to you where you are right now, whereas right. you know knowing a particular model or something is one thing, but actually executing that model is a is a whole other thing. 
Right, exactly. And I will say, I mean, if I could learn, if I could sit with Brad every day and learn everything I possibly can from him, it'd be an amazing opportunity. But I also feel like there's definite strengths in his and I relate his and I relationship, and there's definitely places where you know there that um, there might be somebody better fit. Like, you know, I'm not going to ask him the best way to analyze CAC versus LTV. I'm going to ask, you know, maybe I'll ask him for like a high level. What should those? What should that ratio look like? But, you know, you want to talk to somebody that, at least for me, like I want to talk to somebody or learn from somebody that's, um, that, that spends most of their day in that particular vertical. Right. No, absolutely. I 100% agree with that. I think, I think, it's, I think it's super helpful to find someone who, uh, who's an expert. You know, it doesn't have to be – obviously, no one's an expert in everything. But right. an expert exactly. in, in, your, in your vertical, your business vertical. Right. Um, and someone who has, like you mentioned, the experience um, that can kind of get you through those those speed bumps, right? And and you know talk you through them, and also you know here's what happened, like you were talking about when when I went through this. Here's how I dealt with it, and here's what I wish I did but I didn't do. <laughs> right, right, right. And I mean, he's Brad is the best of the best, right? He's scaled a million amazing businesses, and there's nobody better in my opinion, the entire world that can build businesses the way he can. But having said that, I'm not going to sit there and ask him how I should approach a customer, right? Like, you know, or do these, to me, his time is better spent coming on these higher level um, conversations, but he's always there. So, um, but I've been, yeah, I've been really lucky, I will say, in the fact that I've had some great mentors and, and, you know, guides along the way. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I think, and I think I think I certainly think it's a very helpful thing to have. I, I you know a lot of people kind of think that they have to kind of do it on their own to you know to, to be the, the the master entrepreneur and kind of just figure right. it out and never never ask for help. And that's really the wrong way to kind of go about it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you don't want to lean lean on help out all the time. You definitely need to get your hands dirty and get in there. Mm-hmm. But to think that you're going to do it alone. You know that seems silly to me. Like you want to, <laughs> you why not yeah. ask somebody that's done it before if they're willing to give you their time? You know. Yes. Yes. Definitely. So I want to change gears slightly. And um, we talked. Uh, I mentioned in the, in the you know, when we were getting getting started with this conversation how uh, you've had a few successful exits to date. Uh, most recently, as I mentioned just a few weeks ago, where your company Event Up was acquired by another company called Gather. Um, which I believe has raised like almost sixty million dollars and uh, doing pretty well. Um, I I want to talk about with uh, with you the whole the acquisition process. Being that you've been through it like three times, what what what's that process like? How 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 is it kind of uh, unfolded for you uh, along 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 the way? Sure. So the first two with Echo and Groupon, I was not nearly as intimately involved as I was with Event Up. Mm-hmm. Um, so I saw it more just j- more or less happening around me versus really knowing the nitty gritty. Um, but I do know when I started Event Up that a public market was probably not the right place for Event Up. So in terms of taking on investors, they always want to know what your exit strategy is. And the exit strategy for me was always to you know be acquired probably by another company or run it to, run its own course and have it be it's a standalone business that becomes profitable and can pay back investors. So I think like going into the situation or the scenario, just knowing, you know, the TAM, the total adjustable market and understanding what my options would be um, definitely helped me 
build, uh, you know, build the company that way and, and stay focused on building the company always, but also think about what, what that might look like someday. How, how am I valuable to the market? Right. So in terms of, so in terms of when you built the company in a specific way based on, you know, the, the intentions you had for it. Right. And then in terms of the, when, let's say when gather, um, can I, did you go to them? Did they come to you? How did that work? So it all depends, right? Some people, um, go out to the market, some come to them. We were lucky. I had a relationship with gather, um, from the beginning, we both started our companies about the same time and we both just found each other really interesting. So, um, they had approached us and you know, we thought oh, this could be really interesting. So what, what, what were the kind of synergies that you guys looked at, uh, that, 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 that made it for you, made it click that this, that this is the right way to go. Sure. So what's really interesting is when we founded EventUp, the goal had always been to be a true marketplace and the fact that you could consume and more or less purchase event space on our site and see the transaction from lead to booking the lead and having the great event all the way through. And so what we built was first the front end. So we got a bunch of great venues um, on our site and we have a significant amount of traffic coming to our site to those venues, but really more or less it was lead generation. And we were working on a back end that would be able to book those events. And to do that, it's quite the challenge. And so Gather had really focused on building you know, this world-class software on the back end um, for restaurants and venues and event spaces to be able to manage their leads all the way through, send contracts, collect payment, um, really create something that's not, you know, that wasn't out there in the market. Um, and so to join forces together, we really complete what I, what I would consider like the life cycle of the event, right? Like finding somebody that's interested in the space and bringing them all the way through the process to the end. So together, it just made a lot of sense, really, that is the bottom line. It just, you know. Gotcha. Yeah. No, I mean, that makes sense to me. So in terms of, in terms of the, in terms of the, when, when uh, so you, you you identified that you know working together um, would be beneficial for both parties. What you know, what's next after that? So you so you agree that there's some kind of framework there that you know that that we should we should we should you know work together. Uh, there should be an acquisition. Um, kind of lay it down for us in terms of like the nitty gritty. Like so, then lawyers get involved, accountants. There's yeah. diligence. Yeah. Just curious. We, I want to get the whole process. Uh, you know what that what that what that is actually like for an sure. entrepreneur. Um, yeah. So basically, I mean, to you know, typical, just as if you're signing up a customer or something. You know, agreements get made, and the lawyers go back and forth, and um, it's pretty honestly, it's pretty straightforward. It's not really like that much nitty gritty. It's a lot of due mm-hmm. diligence and, and you know, maintain getting information to the to the purchasers and making sure everybody understands what what this means and what this looks like but for the most part um it's just like a standard not a standard because it's a lot of pages but <laughs> i don't know maybe i'm making it too simplistic but it's it's really not that complicated it, it, right. maybe maybe our situation's different we had raised some money but not you know not 20 million dollars and we didn't have a ton of investors on you know in the company right. we didn't have you know there wasn't there wasn't any like hidden funky things that 
came up or anything. That, I mean, that makes sense. I mean, the, le- the, the you know the, the less investors you have on the cap table, the yeah, more, I guess clean cut the uh, the transaction can be. Right, and our business model is very simple, so it's not like you know it's not like somebody's purchasing. Um, I mean, nobody's going to purchase Amazon probably at this point, but Amazon has a million <laughs> different like business units, and they all have their own you know accounts payable, and they all have their own balance sheet, and they all have their own budgets. Like, there's nothing. There's nothing that complicated involved with us. So right. really, really, when it comes down to is you get the agreements, the lawyers for the most part work through it, and then that's it. Cool. So is there anything uh, that you believe that most entrepreneurs should consider uh, when being on when when they're when they're when they're looking to have their company acquired? Something that they maybe don't, but that that should be considered. Hmm. It's kind of a tough. It's kind of a tough question because. I don't feel like we went looking for it. I feel like it just was a natural progression. Mm-hmm. So my advice would be in, you know, having something become more of a natural progression, right? Like I, I was always friendly with the with the, you know, founders of Gather. I think they're great people. I always always admired what they had done. Um, and so if you start to create those relationships early on, you know, I never felt you know, there's there's definitely com- direct competitors in the space that we're in, um, you know, but I never felt like I couldn't, I, I always maintained, a rela- you know, I always said hi to everybody. I always, right. I never felt no, like. I, yeah, I'm, I'm absolutely the same way. I'm, I'm always uh, working on building relationships with different entrepreneurs and, and different um, founders and, and people at companies because, you know, it, it's, it, those are, they're valuable connections to have, but also, you know, you never know when, uh, you're working on something, and something may just be, you know, the right opportunity. And right. I also think that it, you know, be, sounds like in, in your situation, it made, it made, you know, it just kind of was like a marriage that was that was, you know, made to happen essentially because of the synergies between your two companies. Whereas, right. is whereas if you guys were, let's say, um, kind of, you were looking to exit, but you know, you didn't really know anybody, and you had to kind of like shop around. Yeah, the, I wouldn't the company. know how to do any of that. Right, so that that's a much more difficult situation yeah. to be in, right? Um, right. So I, I so I, I think that developing uh, meaningful relationships with other companies in your space is always super important. When I built my analytics company, um, Kaya, when I was working on that, uh, I always I, I was friendly with other analytics uh, vendors in the space uh, and you know developed relationships with those people at the founders of those companies and things like that. Um, right. Because it was always valuable. It's just valuable to know, uh, you know, who you're competing with, but also, right. you, you know, there there may be potential ways that you could end up working together. Right. Um, exactly. So. There may be potentials where you guys are, you know, stronger together. And I think that's really what happened, kind of in this scenario, um, that we felt like this together was a lot bigger than, you know, the sum of the parts was was larger than the, the individual parts by itself. Mm-hmm. So changing uh, changing to a different topic that's relevant that's very relevant today is uh, the Me Too movement uh, has you know continued to make significant inroads in progress. Um, we've heard more stories from women, women entrepreneurs, especially re- uh, relating to uh, difficulties when raising venture capital money. Um, I, I'd love to hear you know in terms of did you like was it was it a harder process for you and when raising money and, it's, and it, yeah it's so hard for me to, to say so I get asked that quite often and maybe I've always just had my blinders on I guess I didn't really um, 
realize that much much was different. I've always just looked at myself as, uh, you know, an entrepreneur first that's building a business. And, and to be and to be fair, as you should, right? That's I mean. Well, yeah, I mean everybody can everybody can look at it different ways. I just yeah. I just feel like it wasn't something that's ever been top of mind. I've never really felt. You know, I've been blessed that I've never really felt, um, you know, prejudiced towards me or never felt disadvantaged necessarily. I think the I think the biggest thing about for me about being a woman that that it makes it harder to raise funds is your circle of friends is very different. So when I think about, you know, um, the circle of VCs, right? There a lot of them are friendly with each other and they kind of go in these natural um, circles, right? Like they know so-and-so and you guys golf together and you go out for drinks together. My circle, particularly of friends, I have my entrepreneur and my founder circle, but I don't really have that same, um, you know, circle that, that, that a lot of guys do because most of the world, or not most of the world, but at least in the U.S., most of the VCs are, you know, older white men. And so you think about who you're friends with, you're friends with usually about your same, you know, not usually, but quite often some of the same demographic or same same interests. And so right. I'm not gonna be interested, no offense to golf or football <laughs> or like, you know what I mean? Like for me at least, like that stuff's not really that exciting. Um, I am really excited about building businesses and, and trying to push that forward. But I think for, for me, that's probably the biggest disadvantage um, was just not having that same natural circle of connections and friends that um, I do feel like male counterparts have. And I mean, the, the same can be said about different industries, right? Like there's industries that are just male dominated and there's industries that are female dominated. And this just, just happens to be a very male dominated industry. And it doesn't have to be, it's just the way it is. And so the circle of connections becomes a lot smaller. Right. And it, and it wasn't always, I should point out that uh, based on the history books, at least that I've seen, women were uh, were more involved in computer science and stuff uh, in, the early, in the early days of computer science. I mean... Okay. Um, <laughs> so that, I mean, so so I just think that's a very interesting kind of tra- the way it's kind of transitioned over to very male dominated. I I just don't believe that that has to be the case. And I would I I'd, I'd love to get any thoughts you have in terms of how to get more women into the VC world. Um, if you have any thoughts on that. Yeah, I mean, definitely have thoughts on it. I mean, I think it just really starts when you when you're young and you start your friend group and how you get involved in like your different interests and your different programs, right? Like I played sports in high school, I actually played in college too, but you know, I, I think that it, it's who your friends are and who you're surrounded with. And so if those programs are available, the younger the better, because that becomes something, well, hey, listen, my best friend Veronica is playing soccer, then I wanna play soccer basically because I wanna hang out with Veronica, not because I really wanna play soccer. So if my best <laughs> friend involved in like, you know, a financial program or learning to code or whatever it may be, usually follow where your friend groups are. And so programs, I think, at the youngest level is probably what I would consider the most important step. I think it's really looking forward through future generations. Um, you know, the now, of course, is very important, but I think the now is empowering, um, you know, younger folks, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I definitely think that, that that's true also. And I think that, I think, you know, all these kind of learn to code initiatives um, yeah. are, are, are very, very good, uh, especially for younger kids um, to be exposed to that, like you said, at a young age. Right. And, and I, interest in that. Yeah. Right. And I think, you know, as our country continues to grow and can continue to see the program, you'll just start to see more and more um, diversity within within this particular workforce. I think that that's a natural progression. And so, um, 
you know, of course we have a long way to go, but I also think that we're making great strides towards it. Definitely, definitely. So you're you're based in Chicago, correct? Correct. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, so I I I I, uh, I recently had on another uh, founder um, who's based in Chicago. His name's Nick Chromitis. He yeah. is the founder of a company called Hunt Club. Yeah. And so and so he so we were talking about um, how and he was telling me how. Uh, he he's seen that a lot of people in the Bay Area are starting to move to Chicago, okay. um, because it's more affordable, um, yeah. and also uh, it's there's a lot of tech in, there's a lot of uh, there's a kind of uh, a lot of tech industry kind of growth going on. Right, um, right. I'd love to kind of I'd love to know from your perspective as an entrepreneur in the Midwest, what are what are some of the biggest challenges you've seen and, and faced? Um, yeah. I, th- I think one of them is is definitely the technical side. I think that the technical talent is definitely out in the West Coast. I mean, it, of course, there's great technical talent here, um, and you know, for our market size, it's probably a good value. But in terms of like the quality, there's just there's just so much more quantity in San Francisco that um, that uh, that um, you know, there's just more to pick from. Right. I think, and I think mainly that you know that's in large part due to just the number of companies that started out there. That's where everyone went originally, right? And that's where all the money was. Right. Right. I think I think the second biggest thing that I would say that that the Midwest has is just a different mindset, and whether that's good or bad, it is what it is. But I do think that the the um, West Coast tends to get more funding and higher valuations, but it might be because they're asking for that as well. I don't know if the Midwest is a little bit more like reasonable in terms of this company is worth X, Y, and Z, and we get, you know, we're looking to raise this amount of money. The numbers seem to be, in my opinion, bigger. I don't have any studies to back that up, but that's just what I feel like I see anecdotally in the market. Mm-hmm. So, so it's, but, but then it's safe to say that you are bullish on the, on Chicago as a, the kind of a next tech scene, big tech scene, if you will, because obviously uh, there's been, there's been, there's <laughs> been the, you know, the Bay Area, and then, then there's been, um, which Silicon Valley, and then there's also obviously New York, where I am, has, right. uh, has grown into a tech sector as well, uh, yeah. Silicon Alley is what a lot of people used to call it, or I guess maybe still do, okay. um, <laughs> so, so, uh, and I, and I, I think there's a lot of interesting companies in the Midwest that are kind of, uh, that are you know up and coming um, like Hunt Club like yours another company that I I know guys at is a company called Clever Bridge which is a huge e-commerce um, business yeah yeah I mean so, I think I think there's some great companies definitely coming out of the Midwest I do think that the market as a whole is growing and I think that you know we're you know Chicago is particularly strong and, and growing as well nice so it's good to hear so I mean I think that you know the Midwest, uh, you know, I think I think that there's a lot of potential there, and I think that there's good companies there, like you said. So I, I'm I'm excited to kind of see how that continues to evolve uh, as more you know more more talent moves to Chicago. I think that will eventually what's going to end up happening is right. the more talent that's there, pe- companies are going to hire this talent that are that are there, and then they may end up starting their own businesses as well in in the right. Midwest, right? So yeah, absolutely. So Jana, I, 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 I really appreciate you coming on the podcast today, but before I let you go, 
we have to do the lightning round. Okay, great. <laughs> so okay. let me, uh, so whenever you're ready, you let me know and we'll get started. And of course, the lightning round, of course, is supported by Wix. You can create a professional website today at wix.com. That's wix.com. All right, great. so here we go. You ready? Ready. All right. Mac or PC? PC. Oh, wow. So I, I no, was I'm not kidding. expecting that answer. <laughs> I'm Mac. You... I'm just kidding. Okay. And it's funny because it's funny that I had that question also because you had just you had told me before we started the uh, the podcast that you had just got a new computer. Right. Right. <laughs> what? What? Just, what? Just just the, what computer did you get? Oh, just the MacBook Pro. I, it's the one I had before. The screen just broke. I don't oh, wow. know how or why, but um, yeah. So that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> cool. I'm a Mac guy. I'm a Mac guy. I think most uh, of these days. I was, like, I was like really disappointed for a second. No, I was, sorry. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, bad, bad techie joke. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> second question for you. Best movie you've seen lately? Oh, God. I don't think I've seen a movie in a few years. Um, oh, my God. Uh, last movie I'd seen. Um, I saw an Amy Winehouse documentary that was pretty interesting. I watch a lot of documentaries on TV. Is that is that is that is that like the official documentary that that was that came out from her, or for her? I think so. I think it came out pretty recently, or at least it just showed up on my pics. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it was that recently because I, okay. I I think it was at least the, it was at least a few years ago. Okay, well I just watched it. I just watched it. <laughs> All right, we'll go with, we'll go with that. Okay, thanks. All right, hopefully you've ha hopefully this next question uh, you have something a little bit more recent. Last okay. song you played on your phone or computer? Oh my God, you're gonna laugh. Um, head over boots. I'm head over boots for you. You're <laughs> on my wall. Is that a country song? Yeah, I forget who sings it, but I don't. I feel like I've heard it, but I, I'm not a hundred. I don't know who sings it either. My daughter, my daughter loves it, so <laughs> we listen to that often. Well, uh, and, and le if, if that if that's the case, then you know that's then you have to listen to it, right? You, yeah. Oh yeah, no we way. listen to it multiple times a day right now. <laughs> <laughs> On repeat. Snapchat or Instagram? Instagram. Okay. And last question. This one should be hopefully easy. Waffles or pancakes? Pancakes. Strawberry. Nice. I love pancakes too. <laughs> I'm, a, so, I'm a, I make a killer pancake. It's so good. I'm, you know what? I'm gonna have to come to Chicago and test that out for you. Okay. Deal. I would love. <laughs> Well, Love to have you test it out. Awesome. So, Jana Cook, thanks for joining us here on the podcast. If, if anyone wants to find you online or, or get in touch with you uh, after listening to this, what's the best way for them to do that? Uh, Jana Cook, J-A-Y-N-A-C-O-O-K-E.com. My Instagram, Twitter, everything's the same handle. So pretty easy. Awesome. Well, thanks again for being on. I look forward to, uh, to keeping in touch. Thanks, Jeff. Me too. Thanks for listening to Techie Bites. Stay tuned for more episodes every Tuesday with awesome interviews and conversations about technology and business. If you like what we're doing, please consider supporting the podcast at anchor.fm slash besttechie and or by leaving a rating and review on iTunes. Both ways help us greatly and are much appreciated. So thank you. Until next time, we'll see you. And remember, remember, take care of your computers.